Hello, and welcome to the Set in Stone podcast by Croesus Labs, the very best place to hear from the founders who are introducing blockchain technology to everyone by building real-world use cases. This podcast is also the right place to keep up with all things Croesus. Please enjoy. Today, we are having on Trevor Trena, founder and CEO of Croesus Labs. Trevor is an accomplished founder, having already sold five different companies across Web 1 and Web 2, with Croesus being his first endeavor in Web 3. Beyond being a founder, Trevor was also a U.S. diplomat, serving as the U.S. ambassador to Austria. His story is very unique, and he brings an amazing perspective to the Web 3 space. Please enjoy. Trevor, welcome to the first episode of the Set in Stone podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's both fitting and an honor to have you on as the very first guest on this podcast, being the founder of Croesus, a serial entrepreneur, and a diplomat. And so where I'd like to start today is by talking a little bit about your history as a founder and the companies that you have created before Croesus, and whether or not there may be an underlying theme that's weaving together all of the companies that you've started and has led you to Croesus. Well, I grew up in the Bay Area in Silicon Valley, and so you could say kind of at the heart of many of the technological revolutions that have happened recently. And, you know, I started my first company while I was still a student at Berkeley, sold it to Microsoft three years later, and that was really surfing the wave of Web 1, um, e-commerce and uh, consumer. And uh, since then, I've founded another five companies through the waves of uh, Web 2 and, and here to Web 3. And, you know, I've seen a lot of patterns over, over my career, but I've loved to innovate in areas where I think that there's going to be a consumer benefit. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I know that you've had experience founding companies in Web 2, the early days, into, and also in Web 1. Would you mind recapping what to you is the main difference between these different waves of the internet? Are there meaningful differences or are these just more of buzz terms? Oh, I think they're so meaningful. You know, Web 1 was really a big deal because that was where first email and then everything that the World Wide Web offered, primarily e-commerce, but many things transformed our lives. And remember, that was before smartphones, so we were using laptops, but it just changed the whole world and what was possible. And then came Web 2. And Web 2 were really services built on top of the internet that were more like what we would call walled garden, but these were very specialized services uh, for utility. And so you could think broadly things, you know, like Google or, um, or then social media like Facebook, or you could think more narrowly things like Airbnb or Uber, these, these captive services which are very useful. But um, as people really grew to know them well, uh, I think they reached the limits of them. And I think that's what brought us to Web3, which is where we are decentralized again, and people are, um, are wanting services where if they buy it, if they earn it, they own it, they hold it, and, and it unlocks things. Absolutely. And in knowing you well as a employee and also a friend, I know that all of your companies have changed the user experience in a meaningful way. And I think maybe that ties together all the companies that you've founded so far. Do you feel like that's accurate to say? And when you look at the Web3 space, do you see a problem that you saw in the last companies? Absolutely. You know, my first company was called ComparNet, and it was at a time where 
you couldn't really easily select between products what you wanted to buy. And, uh, and we really um, fixed that pain point by educating consumers and making sure that they made very good decisions on their purchases. I, I started a company in the automotive space that helped people know how to own and maintain their cars, when to service them, what to pay. I sold that to a big uh, public company in the automotive space. That was really useful. And, you know, in the Web3 space, I see so much um, interest and passion, but people using these tools that are very complicated and and often just frankly scary. And that's not acceptable, you know, that we shouldn't be in a world where we don't have better tools. Absolutely. And I'm sure the whole audience is wondering, given the fact that you have founded and sold five companies successfully and are now on to your sixth, what do you think your secret sauce is as a founder? What would prevent someone in the audience from doing what you're doing? Or what advice might you give them if they wanted to? Well, I would tell everyone, absolutely go for it. You know, like I've served uh, the United States as a diplomat abroad. And, you know, I'm a huge believer in the American dream uh, that, you know, anyone from anywhere, no matter what their background or their experience can change the world. And by the way, we call it the American dream, but like we offer it to everyone around the world. It's not just for Americans. It's just simply more of a human thing. And so, you know, I, I when I see problems, I want to fix them. When I see opportunities, I want to seize them. And I, I've never thought that I couldn't. That's awesome. And I completely agree. And, you know, thinking a little bit more about Croesus and the blockchain and Web3 and the metaverse and a lot of these buzz terms that are now ubiquitous across the industry. Why does blockchain even matter if we, you know, take a step back and think before cryptocurrencies, before the exchange blowups and everything that's happened in the last five or six years that's prevented mass adoption? Why are we even still here? And what's the true value proposition? Well, that's what really blew my mind as I started to learn about crypto and research the Web3 spaces. Underlying all of it is this very simple proposition, the blockchain, right? And what the blockchain is, is just what we would call a universal ledger um, with smart contracts associated with it. And the concept of a universal ledger is so profound because it means that everything that happens, everything that's recorded is immutable. You can't pretend it didn't happen. You can't die or forget or lose a contract or anything. And, um, you know, you and I were lucky enough to participate at a KPMG forum where the inventor of the blockchain, Scott Stornetta, actually uh, walked us through how, how he came up with the concept. And we, uh, as a group, created a blockchain together. And it was such a powerful exercise because this is a game changer. You know, in a lot of parts of the world, you don't hold title, uh, contracts are, are are suspicious or whatever. And it's like the foundation of everything that we do, of property, of ownership, of many things relies on, um, uh, 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 you know, a ledger. Uh, and and the blockchain provides one that can't be messed with, that that is independent of governments, independent of, of agencies. And that's really profound. And working at this company myself, I know one of the most common questions I get is, what does the word Croesus mean? Where did it come from? And why did we name this company Croesus? Well, I love the idea of Croesus. 
Croesus was a real person. He was a king. He lived around 550 BC, and he was in what was part of Greece, and he changed the world because he created the first fungible coin. What that means is every coin he created had exactly the same amount of metal, so you could spend any one coin like any other, effectively currency. And you know, within uh, 40 years of his innovation, you had uh, commerce, you had the flourishing of the arts because people could make art and sell it for coins. You even had democracy. I like that image because you know I think the blockchain and hopefully Croesus's contribution to the blockchain will have similar impact uh, worldwide. And also, I feel like antiquity. You know, Web three loves its memes, whether it's apes or or punks or whatever. But antiquity is something we kind of all um, own, whether we're you know from North America or Asia or Europe. It's kind of like a common heritage. And uh, um, so I like the analogy. Yeah, I really love thinking about this company in the context of broader financial history, because I think that in today's world, we often forget that we're in the middle of a very large financial experiment. And the whole idea of a you know centralized currency that is built on paper money is all new. You know, we've only been out the gold standard for half a century or so. And a lot of this is still a big unknown, but we often tend to think that any change to the monetary system is going to completely wreck the economy and result in, you know, huge amounts of scams and fraudulent activity. And I just, I'm not sure that's true. And I think that that's core in Croesus's vision as a company. And so I know that Croesus markets itself as a super app. What does that mean to you to be a super app as opposed to a non-custodial wallet, which we are, but I think what we're trying to say is we're more than that. And my concern is a lot of people wonder, you know, is a super app a marketing term or does it actually mean something of substance? Well, to me, a super app is something that's wildly convenient for the consumer. And it's really a concept that's bigger in Asia than the rest of the world. But um, we are an actual super app, which means that at our heart, we are something proprietary, which is a better crypto wallet. And we have a very large team of people here who are committed to building that in a proprietary way. But then around that crypto wallet, we've integrated what we think are best of breed um, services from elsewhere so that it's one seamless experience for our consumer. So whether they're you know on, on ramping with Stripe or Ramp or they're um, swapping or... Uh, with Unstoppable, creating a Web3 domain name. You know, we've taken these great services and great partners and we've uh, integrated everything into one very, very, very simple tool. And if you go onto the Croesus Twitter or blog, you'll very quickly receive the message that Croesus is the most secure wallet as well as the most user-friendly wallet. And I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this podcast are MetaMask users or Trust Wallet users or Rainbow Wallet users. In what ways have we improved upon those two things? Well, we kind of took the best of everything and um, built it into one tool, right? So a lot of the exchanges or um, repositories people are using right now are custodial, which means the user doesn't really control their assets. And, you know, we saw in the FTX 
um, episode that, you know, uh, um, your assets sometimes could be lent to someone else or sent somewhere else or are not necessarily secure, right? So non-custodial, I think, is the way to go um, moving forward. But oftentimes, non-custodial solutions have been very confusing and hard to operate. And so, you know, we started that we wanted to be mobile first because people today use their phones more than their computers. We wanted to be non-custodial to make sure we could never take or touch anyone's assets. They belong to them. But we also wanted to give them the confidence and the ease of mind of uh, not having key phrases, uh, not having passwords, not worrying about getting locked out and never getting back in again. And so we're the only crypto wallet in the entire world where we are completely recoverable, which means not just if you lose your device, even if you lose access to your email account, we can always get you back in and without passwords and key phrases. And so people have the reassurance of, of knowing that it's their stuff and they're protected, but they're never going to have these problems that they might have elsewhere. Yeah, I really like that. And thinking a bit about, you know, who Croesus is right for. Historically, there's always been two categories of wallets. You've had your hot wallets and you've had your cold wallets. Most well-known would probably be Ledger. Is Croesus building or do they offer a solution that could replace a Ledger style solution? We absolutely are. So the Croesus app is the safest and best place and also most comprehensive. So for instance, MetaMask users would be um, better served by using Croesus. And I should add, not only are we great for crypto assets like Bitcoin or Ethereum, but also for NFTs. Um, and in our app, you know, you can um, integrate NFTs and you can move NFTs and all the things you need to do. But um, there are people who have considerable assets, whether they have a lot of Bitcoin or Ethereum, or maybe they own, you know, a board ape or a CryptoPunk or a very valuable NFT, and they want the safest possible solution for those assets. Those are the people who might have been considering. Um, a hardware wallet right now, which are expensive to buy and uh, complex to set up and, and have limitations. And so for those types of people, you know, we're launching the vaults. The vault is the safest possible security and it sits on your phone, in your pocket, traveling with you. Um, and so we think that that's going to be a solution that's going to be incredibly popular for our users. And when I think about the advantages of using a ledger or another cold storage wallet, I think about, you know, the, re the reduced likelihood of assets being pulled out of my wallet without my knowing. But I also think a lot about the disadvantages, such as not having your cold wallet with you when you need it most or forgetting how to log into that or not wanting to go through the burden of setting one of these cold wallets up or not wanting to pay the upfront cost of ordering a cold wallet. What are some of the offerings of this Croesus Vault product that may be of interest to cold wallet users? Well, it starts with just absolutely Fort Knox level security. And so we've engineered the security in so many different ways. You know, it starts with uh, MPC combined with a smart contract. Um, but then we add all these other protocols. So things like time delay, uh, guardians who can 
block any unauthorized withdrawal such that it's basically impossible for someone, even if they steal your identity, your password, everything, to go in and take your assets before you have time to, to, um, to undo it. Uh, but that's just the beginning, right? So then um, what if you die, for instance? Oh, um, what would happen to your assets? You know, uh, uh, a device like a hardware device could easily be lost or the password lost. In our case, you know, you can actually add your trustee of your trust or executor of your estate to the wallet and they would take over control if you die. Uh, as you said, it's sitting on your phone with you. So if you're traveling or you're away from home, uh, you have access to it. So it has all the convenience of something mobile, but all the security of something hardwired. Awesome. And when you think about the entire pie, the the entire market that you might be able to address with this new company, because you know, having founded five companies before, it seems hard to believe that you would only be building a product that might be suitable for a few hundred thousand or a couple million people. Who do you see as the entire market here? Is Creasis just a super app that is marketing to the current Web3 audience, the people that already own Board Apes and CryptoPunks and may have MetaMask downloaded on their phone? Or is there a bigger audience in mind here, a bigger vision? Well, you know, when the World Wide Web first emerged, people thought it was very limited for a small number of researchers who might want to send messages to each other or whatever. Little did they know that it would touch everyone on a daily, even hourly basis. I think it's going to be exactly the same with the blockchain. You know, early use cases like uh, cryptocurrencies or NFTs are what we hear about today. But I think in the future, the universal ledger, smart contracts, all this, it's going to affect every aspect of our lives and every industry. And we're going to need a tool, an easy tool, a comprehensive tool, a tool that feels like a Web2 mobile app that helps us manage all of that complexity. Rather, we're holding tickets for an event, loyalty points for an airline or a credit card program or um, important documents or all kinds of different things. They're all going to migrate to the blockchain. Um, and Creasis will be there for people when those things happen as the tool that they're going to want and use. And that really does a great job answering my question about additional users who may be willing to use the Creasis platform or may find a need for it in the future. But what about brands and organizations? Because we see a lot of brands like Starbucks or Nike beginning to enter the crypto space, whether that be through NFTs or loyalty programs or something else. Is that an angle that Creasis is playing on? And is that a market that you're targeting? Absolutely. Like I was saying earlier, you know, I think more and more people realize that if they bought something or they've earned something via their attention or their loyalty or whatever, that those are their things and they want to hold them, keep them, manage them. Um, and uh, so, you know, you, we've seen a lot of examples of big brands that have dipped a toe into the blockchain. They're with loyalty programs or incentive programs, even just games and activities, uh, collectibles, things like that. All of those programs are better if they're paired with a consumer tool so simple and so intuitive that anyone can use it. Anyone can download and set it up. 
And so um, I think uh, I'm encouraged by these big programs, Starbucks, or Nike, or many of them are doing, but I still think for the ecosystem to grow, there has to be a tool like Croesus. That's great. And my last question for you, Trevor, would be, what can the community expect from Croesus in the future? So maybe over the next couple months, and then in addition, five years out, what's kind of the short-term vision and the long-term vision? Well, the first thing the community can expect from Croesus is service and care, right? So, um, you know, we're building a reputable business for the ages. So we have a physical headquarters. We have 24-hour customer service. We have an address. We have a phone number. We're not um, some sort of distant company where no one knows who's behind it or what it stands for. Uh, we think consumers deserve better. So the first thing is, you know, if consumers are going to trust their assets or even just their time and their loyalty to Croesus, they need to know there's a reputable team of people who stand behind that product and that there's customer service and all those things. So that's uh, dedication number one. Dedication number two is protection, right? Security, making sure we, we work day and night to make sure that our users' assets are safe. And that means from, you know, bad actors and also from us. You know, we are, you know, fully non-custodial so we can never touch or move or re-lend or, uh, you know, our users' assets. Uh, and so that's our, like, inviolable commitment uh, that, you know, we will serve our customers to the best of our ability and we will protect our customers with every resource at our uh, disposal. And that is really why uh, the vault came about because we wanted to be able to offer to our public what we think is the very, very, very safest repository on the planet for crypto assets. Um, and so longer term, you know, our commitment is to try and take this wonderful tool and integrate it everywhere. So wherever our users go, wherever uh, they pledge their loyalty, um, we want to be integrated into those places so that our consumers have convenience. That's awesome. And I know that we all have high hopes of this vision playing out. And if it does, it's going to be great for the entire market. And what an opportunity to build it in the depths of the bear market when attention is elsewhere. But Trevor, thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate you being a part of the very first episode. Well, I would say also, you know, um, having Lucas Harris on the team, I think is really the ultimate badge for the company. You know, we're very proud of it and probably should be advertising it more as well. Well, I do my best and I'm lucky to be working at a company with such a strong founder. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe at no cost. Thank you.